Hi, my name is Chris Bybee from Darkview Studios, and you're listening to Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morse, Peter, and Jessica talk about the controversy around evil races. In the news, a new playtest for Dragonlance, a preview of the Blade Runner RPG, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves footage has been screened, and more. Plus, our favorite game in all the world and a brand new sketch about the friendliness of bear owls. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Frog Eyes Incorporated. Need ingredients for your latest potion, oil, elixir, ointment, filter, tincture, or tonic? Frog Eyes has the region's widest selection of beetle stings, newt's ears, troll blood, crocodile tears, dragon thorns, fairy wings, gnat warts, horse antennae, jabberwocky breath, and cheese. For the tabletop role-playing news, we aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, has ever, it is a complete delight to be here, and furthermore, we have with us joining us for a further consecutive week, fresh from crushing it on Kickstarter, where they're <laughs> making literally thousands upon thousands of dollars. It's the one. It's the only. It's. It's me, Jessica Hancock from EN Publishing. I love the way that you announce Jess like you announce like a fight announcer, a boxing match. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Peter, also <laughs> Peter has a healthy and um, respectable amount of respect for me, so that's why they they understand. Is it respect or is it fear? I think they go hand in hand. <laughs> okay. Now, um, before we start, we've got two weeks now until our live yeah. stream. So I wanted to remind uh, everybody, and we've, got a, we've got a date and a time now. So it is May the 13th, which is a Friday. Yes. It yes. is at 8pm BST, yes. British summertime, which makes it 3pm on the east coast of America. That is and correct. And if you're not in one of those two places, you can probably work out what your, what your time zone is based on those two things. But... It's going to be mm-hmm. about two hours, same length of time that we take to record the podcast. It's going to be live streamed on Twitch. Yes. You can watch it. You can see us if that is a thing that you would want yep. to do. I can't think you why can... you would, but you can see us. <laughs> on your head, be it. Yeah, so you can, uh, it's going to be quite uh, interactive as well. So you can come ask questions and we'll pop them up on the screen and answer them as well. And like Russ said, it'll be on our Twitch channel, which is EN Publishing on Twitch. And we also do loads of other shows on there as well. So if you want to subscribe to that, that would be awesome. Mm. I'm quite excited about this. Two weeks. Yeah, it it is a time. I have to to make sure I actually brush my hair that week, then. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) brush my shirt. (laughs) If you're feeling fancy. Yes. Um, So anyway, we would really love it if people came to see us on Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, that's not a lucky day. It didn't even occur to me that's what it was. Lucky for some. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm and sure. should, we do, should we do a giveaway or something as well? Yeah, so the um, idea was mm-hmm. you have to be there on the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've got a full set of the Level Up Core rule books. Yeah. What? And a we full will set? give those away to yeah. one person and we'll, we'll tell you how that works on the day. So you have to literally be there on the day. 
at the live yeah. session. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. the live set, at the live session, um, yeah. and you know, able to type in the chat and stuff. But um, we'll tell you how that works on the day. But if you are there on the day, you are in with a chance of yes. winning like the full set, three hardcover core rule books, which is worth like a hundred and fifty quid yeah. or something. It's like damn. That that is a, a meaty, hefty prize. Yeah. That's something like five mm-hmm. kilograms of RPG goodness. Mm. It really, truly is. Yeah, and yeah. also, I imagine there's people that are like, but Russ, I have already backed my level up books and I'm in North America, so I haven't received them. Ooh. But we have some good news and updates on that. So <gasps> the books arrived at port this week and I got a message the other day saying that they have cleared customs. Woo! So the US government have said it is okay to exist in the country, which is great. <laughs> And uh, they're going, they're on their way to the warehouse. Um, So if you are in North America, you'll get an email from our our shipping partner in the next week or so because they've got to like unpack it and repack it. Honestly, I don't really fully know what happens in warehouses, but they have stuff to do. But they will send you an email confirming your order and your address. Uh, So if you have changed address since you gave it to us and now, uh, you can update it directly with them before they send out. And to get to the warehouse, they are using that fleet of bicycles we hired. Yes. One one per bicycle. One book per bicycle. One book per bicycle. Yes. One book so per it takes bicycle, a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. They're yeah. really heavy books, so it would be yeah. unreasonable to suggest any. Well, we do have some of those tandem it. bicycles for the. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not that far from the east coast to the west coast of America, is it? <laughs> I'm sure they'll do it on bike. Yeah. Two days tops. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So we have got an awfully cheerful question. <gasps> <gasps> Which is exciting. More excited already. Yes. yes. So, yeah. the cheerful question is a listener question of the week. Um, in order to get your awfully cheerful question answered on air, all you need to do is tweet us with the hashtag awfully cheerful question or email us at morrispodcast at gmail.com. So, this question is from Mark OS from Toronto, who will be getting a copy of awfully cheerful engine number one soft cover Ooh. sent through the post to them. I'm forced to assume that this is actually a question from a sentient AI, uh, the Mark operating system. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Um, So so the Mark operating system wants to to know. Embrace you. Yes. What single RPG mechanic do you admire or love the most? Which wasn't in early D&D, so no hit points, levels, ability scores, etc. Which I think is a fair enough stipulation because we all just go for those otherwise. Um, Whether it be because of its elegance or innovation. I have two. Two. Uh, can I do I have to pick one or can I say two? Well, you two. he did ask what single RPG mechanic do you admire or love the most. He didn't ask Ooh. which two RPG mechanics do you admire. But you can't choose your favourite RPG mechanic. It's like try to choose your favourite child. I know. Well, one I have is yeah. very quick and brief, and I already kind of discussed it on the not. I say you can you can say two, yes, but you have to rank them and say which one's your favourite. Okay, so I'm going to mention one because I think it's very innovative and that was the uh, Dread Jenga Tower mechanics for Mm -hmm. building tension. Uh, So we did a whole podcast on this and not D&D, so I won't go into the details of it, Mm. but you can check that out there if you want to hear about it, but I just think it's a very cool way. So when you want to do a thing, you have to pull a block off a Jenga Tower and then if it falls down, then you have kind of failed. Mm. But there's a bit more to it than that. But anyway, check out that podcast if you're listening interested in that but uh, the one i'll say here is from uh fate because uh, i really like the system when you're creating characters um yeah. is the way you kind of create interconnected stories between all of you whilst you're uh doing your character creation so you kind of have different 
I haven't played Fate for a while, but I'm trying to remember it properly. So you when you're doing your character, yeah, different yeah, relationships yeah. with the people. Mm. So you have like a story, and one person's the main character, and then mm. in that story that's in your background, and then you have another character at the table that you agree how they're linked with you. So it creates a really mm. nice mm. web of connections across the table and gives mm. the party reason to be together, other than you're all in a tavern and you want a job. Um, so it's quite nice to have some complex backstories. And you can also potentially have like almost secrets and connections between different um characters on the table mm. uh, so i think that encourages really good role play so i'll pick oh, that nice. one okay yeah that, 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 that's, that's really 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 strong choice i mean when i came across that mechanic i immediately stole it for all the rpg games that i like to run yeah because it's yeah. really good so yeah you know, i've seen a slight variation on that where each mm. person you go around the table and uh, you, you could port this into any RPG, I think, because it's not mm-hmm. a mechanical thing. It's just a role-playing mm-hmm. thing. Each person, you go around the table and you say, how do you know the person to your left? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like an improv yes and type thing. So you can't mm-hmm. you can't screw them up, but generally yeah. the idea is you go along with it. So you go, how yeah. do you know the person to your left? And that person, how do you know the person to your left? So not everybody yeah. necessarily ends up knowing everybody, but everybody ends up knowing somebody. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know that, that's uh, largely how I start any Adventurous League games that I run, mm. which is normally a collection of people who don't necessarily know each other out of character, mm. let alone their characters knowing each other. Mm. And that way, sort of everyone feels like they're sort of involved and like mm. there's at least one, per- at least two person, because I sort of make it go around in a circle, that they all know. Mm. Um, I used to like to give away inspiration until they... Uh, so everyone started with inspiration and took away that valuable tool from my hands. Oh, mm. So what would your choice be, Peter? What is your single RPG mechanic do you choose? I mean, obviously it would be cheap to say something like advantage or something, but uh I think I think the one that I find myself most consistently recommending when people have problems and they're like, Oh, I need to do something, one of the ones I find myself consistently recommending is actually one of yours, Russ. Ooh. It is the countdown mechanic. Ooh. Yeah. For those of you who are unaware of this um, you know, fairly tasty little gem, it's an excellent tool for GMs, uh, which is a place I usually find myself sitting at a role-playing game table. And what it involves is you create a pool of dice and you choose a number between, say, four and six. And at periods which muse you, it could be once per turn, once per round, or once every 10 minutes. It, it varies. Let's see, see how it goes for you. Uh, you roll the dice and then you take out those ones which have that number that you've got or above. So if you want a short fuse, it's four to six. If you want a long fuse, it's just sixes. And this has a number of very interesting effects. It means that players do not know how long they have to sort something out. And the GM doesn't know either, which is the important thing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's just hilarious. That's just hilarious. I I, I love that part of it. I'm like, oh, I I, I don't know, guys. Like... We're rolling the dice. We're going to see how it is. <laughs> but which is, which is, has, has we've discussed uh, previously, an integral part of my, I rolled the dice out in the open. I'm just the hapless arbiter of events mm. here. <laughs> Despite having come up with a scenario. Yeah. It's my, it's my sort of blame avoidance tool. And I love it. I love it. Um, I don't think I've ever actually had a countdown go off because the fire it lights under the players to mm. get stuff done. <laughs> has been incredible. I have had uh, fast countdowns go off. I, I could, I could. Oh, I had I one once, and it was like a, it was like four, a forty-six countdown. Oh, it was, ooh. it was a wow, yeah, okay. It, I think it was a. I can't remember whether it was fast, medium, or slow countdown, but anyway, it mm. went off on the first roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just happened immediately. Yeah. So that uh, yeah. that was fun. 
I, I, I normally start off at about 10 dice. Well, that's a lot. That is an awful lot. There's no yeah, one you have to one go off. I've never but, started no, off with one with more than like four or five. Oh, oh no, but this is this is when there's quite some way to go. Mm. So it's like, you know, you're like starting... Not, this isn't the final boss battle countdown. This is the you're on you're on the way to the final boss battle, mm. and there's normally an encounter or so to get through. Mm. And I like to reduce the time mm. uh, in that in that sort of like you know because cla- as you wrote in uh, what's old is new, it's like that classic. You're looking at the timer of a bomb and then cutting to the heroes doing action. Mm. And the closer you get to zero, the more you cut back to that timer, mm. which is independent of how long things are actually taking. Mm. Which you know. I, I, I very much enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. So what mine is, I, I again, am struggling between two, like, like Jess was. Mm. So obviously, uh, the go-to, like you just mentioned, Peter, his advantage mm. in D&D mm-hmm. 5e is really good. It's a really strong contender. But it's too obvious. So I'm not going to go for it. But it is a really strong contender. I think either something simple from 4e we've used um, mm-hmm. is the bloodied rule for, for monsters mm-hmm. or okay. maybe minions mooks whatever you want to call them I don't know which mm. game first did them possibly no 4 feet would probably way before 4 way 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 before 4 okay. no, years a decade before okay. fair, fair. they've been around for a long time um, but basically monsters that go down or enemies that go down with one hit and they're basically mm. there so that you can just have your heroes plough through a whole bunch of enemies and feel epic. I feel really yeah. epic on their yeah. way to getting to the big bad evil guy. And then you could just yeah. pile loads of them. At, 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 or you could just have them in, come in in waves to slow them down mm. or whatever. But I really I really like those. So minions from 4E or moots yeah. or whatever whatever but you want to call them. Fong Shui. That's, that's... That probably is where they came from, actually, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think, that makes sense. I think it was Fong Shui, which is uh, Robin Laws. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Ro- 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 Robin Laws. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the game of Hong Kong action movie mm. uh, RPG, and it is every bit has completely off the wall mad as you would hope mm. from a game which is supporting. I, think, to do I that. don't know whether it's true or not, but it might be the first mm. game to have the introduction of player created narrative in a scene as well. Uh, probably is. Okay. Maybe it did happen before no. that, but certainly it's where I remember it, where a player can literally mm. put an object in the scene that they want to use that the GM oh, okay. hadn't previously said was there. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I came that my first experience with that was probably Exalted, mm. uh, where I could do that. But yeah, that's another mechanic that I've picked up. I'm like, oh, well, this this is mine now. Yeah, I'm going to bring this along, and every time I have a meta currency, and I insist on running games with meta currency, and yeah. because I I just refuse to run without it, I'll be like, okay, we can exchange meta currency in exchange for putting things yeah. in. So I've named uh, like against my own rules. I've named like three or four now, haven't I? I've got to pick one. I'll go. I'll go with the mooks minions. Yeah. I okay. guess. Although my answer really is advantage, but I can't. I'm not, not going to choose that. Yeah, yeah. That was That's a really good, good question. So it was thank a good you very question. much. Thank you for your much, Mark OS. What from could Toronto? we expect from Ascension AI? Thank you, Mark OS. <laughs> we will have a really copy of Awfully Cheerful Engine number one in the mail Woo! out to you this week. Right. It's time to do some RPG news, I think. Hello. Yes. Okay. That's why we're all here. It is why we're all here. So, let's start with the D&D movie, shall we? Okay. For a bit of fan. Um, so, mm-hmm. there was a convention this week called CinemaCon. Mm-hmm. 
Ooh. Which is, uh, you know, I guess the is name is about passing the guess the Kickstarter name test, and that's yeah. always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Paramount had a, a panel there where they showed some footage to attendees, and they tend to show things like uh, this sizzle wheel, which is basically all of their stuff that's upcoming in the next hmm. year. So there was a sizzle wheel um, which had a whole bunch of footage from like. Uh, the upcoming Top Gun and Mission Impossible films and all, all the stuff that Paramount's bringing out. But yeah. important to us is interspersed amongst all that footage was about 30 yeah. seconds oh. of the new Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves, Murr. which is quite exciting. And this is basically the first time anyone's seen any footage at all. Yeah, yeah. So this was an EM World member called OB1, as in uh, OB1, OB1, yeah. Uh, of, of the Kenobis. Yes. Of the one Kenobis. Yeah. Not to be considered. <laughs> so uh, it says that um, it has Dungeons, Dragons, party teamwork, and a bit of a superhero movie vibe. Okay. Okay. But he's tried to list the various things. So um, he says uh, the 30 seconds, they were split up over seven or eight smaller shots interspersed with the whole sort of larger product reel for other Paramount products. So it's like mm-hmm. a bit here, a bit there. Mm-hmm. He did point out that the uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the initializations of that is Dad Hat, and then uh, continued to refer to the film as Dad Hat for the rest of the post, which I thought was kind of amusing. I see. <laughs> this is his gamer humour I have heard so much about. So these are some Very of the bits and pieces. So basically he says... For me, what you saw, it's easily on par with what you would expect from a Marvel theatrical release in terms of production values. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. Nice, nice. Uh, so you saw Chris Pine on horseback riding next to Michelle Rodriguez talking about needing a team for this. This does very much sound like a heist movie. Honor Among yeah, it doesn't. It does, good, good. Yeah. This intrigues me. Uh, you see all. a dragon, probably a blue one, flying overhead while the characters flee underneath on horseback. Ah, flee! A big okay. city from an overhead aerial view, possibly Waterdeep or somewhere like that. Nice, nice. Um, Sophia Lillis um, pulling back mm-hmm. on a slingshot wristband to fire something. No, oh, that's cool. That, Iconic. Yeah. yeah. From, yeah. Um, there was a big action sequence in some kind of outdoor arena, and there was a setting with pillars growing out of the ground that some heroes were jumping across while others were firing off bows and casting magic spells and stuff. Sounds sweet. Yeah, big old set piece there. Yeah. Uh, Reggae Jean Page on horseback, yes. headed towards some ruins. Nice. Uh, a character in a long shot, he thinks it's Chris Pine, but he's not really sure, dancing under an archway. He says it reminded him more of being sort of like under Otto's irresistible dance than something he was doing on purpose. Ah, I see. So there's sort oh. of a jerky, um, involuntary nature to yeah. these things. But then yeah, he okay. said, on the flip side, he couldn't see it clearly. It could have been a bard character spellcasting as he thinks they had an instrument in their hands, but not sure. Already. A spell that kind of felt like a wizard casting shield against an attack. Um, he says he thinks that was Reggae Jean Page, but can't be certain. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, he doesn't remember seeing Hugh Grant in the footage at all, and no plot details whatsoever. Fair enough. And the yeah. general feel was a fun, action-packed vibe, um, yeah. kind of like a fantasy version of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. That was the tone I was getting from what yeah. he was saying. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, because I think a lot of RPG campaigns 
have that vibe. Whether they, you, they want, right. Whether you want them to or not, yes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Starcross Seaway definitely does have, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, live streamed ones definitely tend to, because that is quite, yeah, yeah. that is very entertaining. And, mm. you know, people, yeah. people really enjoy watching that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You don't, you definitely don't get more of a war gamey sort of thing on a live stream because that's just not going to yeah. work, is it? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure you could if you wanted to focus and you'd have to have cameras on like a battle map or something. You know? Yeah, I suppose so. So maybe. I suppose but, so. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, I think you could make it happen, but you would need someone to bring a lot of power to the narration mm. and mm, to keep the pace up. I can tell you that is exhausting. Yeah. I can imagine. It's fun, but exhausting. Well, how does that make you feel about this film? Um, Cautiously optimistic. Mm. I, to be honest, I haven't been that hyped about the film because I'm a bit like worried it won't be good. Great. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like because yeah. I don't know. So I so so what I'm doing is I'm not having any hopes or expectations. So I mm. probably will go yeah. watch it, but then I can be like, oh, that was actually quite good. Instead yeah. of like having big expectations. You know what we should do yeah. next year in March? We do an official podcast outing to see the film and then talk yeah. about it on the show. Yeah. Yay. Sold. Maybe if they have a Thursday, like, midnight showing or something. Yeah, so we could talk about it while it's still fresh in our minds. Exactly. Or we could take our microphones to the cinema. I don't think that's and legal. And live record a podcast. No, I don't. I don't think we know. No. Do you I'm going to say no. Do, do you think uh, the cinema people will, will, will As disapprove? your business manager, I'm going to advise you not to do that. <laughs> Just go home. As, as your voice of reason. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's my job at uh, talk, uh, Talking about advice and lawyers, this is, that's a bad segue, but still, let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to talk about now? Oh, so, it can't possibly be about TSR, can it? The TSR News Update. It is time for a very, very quick TSI news. Oh, how did I get that? We start talking about a a terrible legal advice. We start talking about lawyers, and suddenly, yeah, so you know they um, had to file a response to Wizard of the Coast's lawsuit against them. Uh, Yes, Um, they have done. Cool. Is it good? Most of it's just (laughs) most of it's kind of very standard boilerplate stuff. Okay. You know, it's not, 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 not that interesting and it's a lot of legalese and stuff. There is right. one bit that jumps out that, uh, that people have started noticing though. So one mm. of the assertions that Wizard of the Coast made in their, in their suit was mm. that mm. they'd been continually, um, producing and advertising and selling D&D products over the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and like indicating, yes, we are using these trademarks. We do own these properties, that sort of thing. You know, oh, Wizards of the Coast Wizards of the Coast, Wizards of the Coast yeah. have been so, selling yeah. D&D products. So Wizards of the Coast asserts this as sort of evidence to their suit, you know. I, I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but they've got to. They've got to. They've got to, they've got to say, no, no, this, no, is, no, this no, is the legal fair, basis fair upon which we, we are saying, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, TSL's response to this part of the lawsuit, I mean, there's a, it's, it's long. This is just a little snippet. But the counterclaim defendants being TSL. Do not have sufficient information by which to admit or deny Wizards' allegation that it has produced, advertised, and sold Dungeons and Dragons products continuously since acquiring TSI Incorporated. To the extent that a response is required, the counterclaim defendants deny this allegation. I mean, Russ, I, I must be getting, you know, a bit slow, a bit past it, because it sounded just like, right? Just like. That tears, you said that TSR said that 
Wizards of the Coast don't sell D&D. Is, is that... Well, they're saying that they don't have sufficient information to admit or deny that they sell D&D. Do they not have the internet? <laughs> I, I guess not. Do they, do they not have access to a friendly local game store? Yeah, have they not walked into any game store or been online in the last Apparently couple not. of decades? Or, or, or i got to be honest, or a bookshop. Yeah. Or like just even, a regular bookshop. Yeah. Even listen to this very podcast. Mm. <laughs> well, we know that they're, c- that they're big fans of this because they do like to uh, occasionally comment on the work that we produce. It's bizarre, though. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they have to respond to each point, point made yeah. in maybe, a lawsuit. So maybe they have there's to say a some... weird legal reason why that's being said. I think I, like, I, in a normal I, conversation, I guess, it doesn't make sense. I guess it's just a kind of scattered gun, just like, like, like deny everything. Don't debate. I, don't anything, deny everything they say. Whatever they say, deny it. What if they yeah, say yeah. the sky is blue? Deny it. If they say water's wet, deny it. Just deny it. Uh, we we couldn't possibly comment on legal proceedings because yeah, that yeah. would obviously be awful. But I, I I got there's there's someone I feel really sorry for, which is their lawyer because mm. you know I'm like wow I would not want your job right now. It's getting paid. Whoever they are, I mean <laughs> yeah or yeah. Firm, there's, there's getting, paid. getting paid. Yeah, I mean, but it's getting paid for something you might have a hope of winning, and it's getting paid to just get beat up and clamber in court. Some people <laughs> right. don't mind as long as they're getting paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when it comes down to it, a court proceeding is kind of quite perfunctory and quite boring and quite administrative. I mean, it's not it's not like on TV, is it? So, you know, I doubt I don't really care that much. No, I'm sure. I'm sure we kind of thought. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's, that's enough said about that. That's great. Let's wrap that up. I thought you'd be pleased, Peter. Um, (laughs) Moving on. Pleased is a strong term. It's like unsurprised, I think, is probably the best Mm. I can manage. All right. Let's talk about something a little bit more interesting. Oh, yes. please, yes. What about Dragonlance? Let's talk about Dragonlance (gasps) then, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Dragonlance. Dragonlance. Mm. Do you like Dragonlance then? I'm I'm vi- I'm warming up to it. It sounds quite good. I'm getting caught up in your hype. Hey, woo! So we got what about the hype train? A, <laughs> a revisit of the Unearthed Arcana playtest. Oh, Heroes of Queen revisited. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. And I've had a mm-hmm. quick look at it. I haven't read it in super detail. So Kenda was obviously the contentious part of it. The bit that got people talking. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot more to the playtest than that, but kind of is the bit yeah. that really got people talking. So what yeah. they've yes. done is, if you remember the previous one, yeah. I, I don't know if you recall it well, but um, they've removed the Fey origin of the Kender, which they've okay. added in in the previous one. Mm-hmm. Kender, you know, historically don't have a Fey origin; they're a variation yeah. of halflings. They're, they're basically halflings. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they've uh, they've removed that completely. Mm-hmm. What they what they did in the previous one, if you recall, what they because Kenda had the kind of terrible reputation, yeah, yeah. In, well, intrinsic thieving thing in it's, it's built into the character, it's built, yeah, yeah. It's mechanically built into you know yeah. Kenda will steal stuff. Well, it's it's, it's they they've sort of adapted it so it's just like things fall into their pockets from another dimension. That's what they did in the previous to, uh, playtest. So they they changed that. Yes, so that, yes. that so Kendo oh. aren't stealing things anymore. They're reaching into yes. their pouches and they're plucking something from the Fey world. Now I'm guessing that didn't get Hence a good the uh, yeah. I'm guessing that did yeah. not get a good feedback because that's gone. That is completely gone. Right. Right. Okay. What's interesting also is the whole concept of Kendo being thieves is now gone. That's There's good. nothing to replace it at all. It's completely gone. Yeah. So the closest they've got is uh, Kenda Curiosity. 
I guess is the closest thing that they've got to it, which gives you proficiency in one skill. Yes. And the skills are insight, investigation, sleight of hand, stealth, or survival. So I suppose oh, okay. the sleight of hand in there is basically uh, where... So, yeah, you could lean uh, into that concept if you wanted yeah. to with your character build or yeah. not. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they now have um, complete immunity to the frightened condition. Okay. Their fearless ability. Mm-hmm. Nice. Other, other than that, though, uh, and they've got taunt, which imposes disadvantage on enemies' attacks against targets other than you, which is a fairly... You know, elegant way of doing that, and I've done that with mechanics of my own before. It's uh, it's, it's a good way hmm. to do it, I think. Simple, yeah. elegant. Well, well doesn't, that is... doesn't force anyone to do anything, but it does encourage them. Yeah, well, I mean, but to be fair, like the lack of taunt mechanic in D and D is a bit of a sticking point for some people. The closest I can think of off the top of my head is, for example, the Bardic Vicious Mockery or a Barbarian Reckless mm. Attack. Vicious mm-hmm. Mockery only imposes disadvantage on the first attack, which gets pretty underpowered as soon as yeah. you get into Tier 2. Yeah. Yeah. And the Barbarian is like, they're a big hit point sponge. So uh, that's actually what makes them probably the best tanks well, in Well, 4th Edition body. had the concept of marking mm-hmm. somebody. So you yes. could mark an opponent, and then that opponent would have penalties to attack people other than yourself. So they kind mm-hmm. of made it... Done, they've basically done that, but opted it to mm-hmm. a disadvantage, which is stronger, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, that's what they've done. So the other thing they've done, though, is backgrounds. So yeah. every background now comes with bonus feats at first and fourth level. Okay. Which is interesting. interesting. So mm-hmm. um, feats quite a powerful thing to get in a background. Mm-hmm. I mean, they talked about this a little bit recently, I think. I, I mean, but to be fair, in in common practice, it is like pretty usual from what I've seen and what I've read online. To, to and in my own games. Feet at first level, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and this way, I guess they're sort of like trying to make, t- try to make it a bit more thematic. I, tell you, I think that's, I think that's a decent I'll idea. i tell you where I become a little bit discombobulated with this. Yeah. It's sure. the backgrounds they've got. They've yes. got Knight of Slamnia as a background. Mage of High Sorcery right. as a background. And then when mm. you take those, mm. you get a feat at first level and a feat at fourth level. At yes. this point, how are they different to archetypes in concept? Or subclasses mm. in concept. At that point, it kind of really feels like a subclass. Yeah, so I guess you're getting two subclasses yeah. if you go with those backgrounds. Yeah. Mm. How many backgrounds with feats do they have? Knights of Salamnia, Mage of High Sorcery, I think it was. I, I count two there. Mm. And normally I would expect to have between four, five, maybe even six players. So... But if your back, yeah, if your background doesn't yeah. provide a feat, though, it says you get to choose between skilled, tough, or a new feat called divinely favored. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So you get the tough, the tough, uh, the tough feat. Is that right? Yeah. So, we, ev- so, we choose. so everybody gets a feat at first and fourth level. Yeah. Right. right. But if you're um, a knight slamier or major high sorcery, you get access to these specific ones as well via your background. Yeah. 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 I mean, sure that that makes sense. So it sounds like they're moving to at least four. Uh, dragon arms, everyone gets three feet at character creation. Mm. It's like, all right, don't yeah. bother me. I, in fact, you know, I quite like it because there's very few things squishier than a first level character. What do you think? You, you look at them funny and they, yeah. they fall apart. What do you think about black road mages? It's yes. a feat, yes. part of the mage of high sorcery background. You can choose a feat. Mm-hmm. Adept of the black robes would be one. The alignment mm-hmm. requirement is gone. Okay. Um, which is interesting, but the whole point of Black robe mages in the black, red, and white robe mages, they yeah. were alignments, weren't they? 
Yes, yeah. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. The white mm. robes representing like the traditional quote good yeah, red being uh, neutral, black robes. Black being evil. Mm. I mean, they literally yeah, yeah. alignments. So. Yeah, it's it's pretty fundamental to the Dragonlance law because it's tied in with the three moons that go round, yeah. of which the what's it, Nuatari, the black moon you can't see, mm. which for an astrology based game, yeah, <laughs> astrology based magic system does make things a bit more tricky. But yeah, they match. Yeah. So what they've done is said. Yeah. So the, uh, the black robe mage has ambitious magic, and you get enchantment mm. or necromancy spells. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Free bonus. Um, free enchantment and necromancy spells. Um, and mm. life channel. I don't recall what life channel was. Uh, I, as I recall, that is where you throw your hit dice mm. at a problem to. I think it's gain extra spell slots. Mm. Yeah, well, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, but but you can burn your hit dice. I'm pretty sure it's you can burn hit dice for spell yeah. slots. I'd have to double check. They've kind of gone with themes. I think so. Black robes. Are, mm. They've made them ambitious. Red yes. robes. They've made insightful. And white robes, mm-hmm. they've made protective. It's kind of how they've gone with it okay. instead of evil, neutral, and good. I, I, I quite like that. That goes with like the original themes quite well, yeah. I feel. Yeah. 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 So that kind of works, I guess. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then, you know, they've got similar sort of stuff with Knights of Slamnia. Because you, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, because surely that just goes, uh, what's it? Crown, sword, rose. Yeah. Yeah. If memory serves. Yeah. But again, they're feats again, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, um, which you get, which you can choose one of when you take your background. Yeah, it just seems a bit strange for a level one character to become a full fledged knight of Salamnia. Uh, so you can become. So this is how it works. Mm. So uh, with the uh, wizards, the first one is adept of the black robes, adept of the white robes. So mm. you start off low, and in Knights of Slam- uh, Salamnia, you also start off with Squire of Salamnia. So that's uh, okay. when you take yeah. the first level, and then at fourth level, you choose Knight of the Rose, Sword, or Crown. All right. It's, way, it's the way I'm interpreting that. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Mm. Cool. What do you think of that, Just being someone who's not so invested in the, you know, tracking around stuff? Yeah, I think because I don't know the lore and the setting, so I'm not, like, attached mm. to kind of what people should be and stuff. Mm. Yeah, that mm. all sounds good. I like the idea of everyone getting feats at the first early on level, because mm. I think that mm. can make your character a bit more kind of individual and customised. Yeah. And I'm getting used to that kind of with level up. So, mm. you know, yeah. when I get to 5e and I'm like, oh, you don't get to do all those things. Yeah. I'm yeah. boring. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I think having that in is, is quite nice because it kind of can give you your niche in a in a party, yeah. in a group. Mm. So, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Uh, right. Other things in the news that we've got. So, Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh. The Kickstarter campaign is coming mm. next mm. week, May the third. It's going to do a million. Oh, yeah. I bet you it does a million. Oof. Yeah, so it's going to be a. It's going to be our third million dollar. What well, I say, ah, oh, third million dollar. Not. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> this is not. No, no, it's free league. They're doing that. Um, it's going to be the third million dollar campaign in the last few weeks. Last in, yes. in the last month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but there's some previews of it. So they released some previews in mm. advance. Of it yeah. launching next Tuesday, and the layout nice. is gorgeous. And the layout and the art and stuff is absolutely stunning. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Go- uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to help but back this one. Yeah, um, uh, uh, hmm. I was just wondering if you could describe the art style, but um, it kind like, of almost how- looks like movie stills, but it's art. Ooh. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So that real photorealistic yeah. sort of yeah. vibe. Let mm. me show you. I do like the setting and the idea and... Yeah. Mm. 
I just the whole replicants idea. I just think it's really interesting the whole artificial intelligence. Mm. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just going to be no, super I, high production values, so like all the free league yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I was. I was just going to say, actually, you can tell it is Free League just by looking at it, because mm. they've kept that really distinct visual art style. It's the same, not not quite photorealism, but very definitely painterly style, and it's just got that slight soft focus. Mm. There's, yeah. There's, there's very slightly washed out colours yeah. to make it feel like a painting, which... It's so dark as well. Yeah, I mean, you've got, like, the fiery the angels fell, that picture, mm. which... And it's really capturing the the light of it. That's what I yeah. That, yeah. That's free league. It has the free league light and effect. rain in every um, shot as well. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it, look, it, looks, look, it does look beautiful. But what's interesting to me is you know, like a lot of people say that Alien and Blade Runner are set in the same universe, and there's lots of clues in in mm. the films that link them. Yeah. 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 And now Free League is producing the official RPGs for both, and yeah. they use the same system. Oh, wow. so I wonder yeah. how crossoverable it will all be. Mm. Like, easy. Well, yeah, you should be able to. And whether they? they're allowed to actually say officially that they're in the same universe, they're probably not allowed. Yeah, to that that will be a separate thing. Yeah. yeah. But give me a fifteen pound look how around twenty minutes for the books. I'm sure I could yeah. <laughs> come up with some sort of mashup. Yeah, <laughs> it would be, be interesting. It depends how similar the. Oh, I mean, it's got wow. some stressfuls, as I, I believe, which may nice. or may not be similar to the, the the alien ones. Well, I mean, you were very impressed with the stress mechanic. It did sound pretty good. Mm. So it's, it, it seems likely that they would keep it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing like mm. a little bit of cyberpunk. There's mm. more cyberpunk this week as well. Is there? What? From Green <laughs> Running Games. Did you see also- how I set no. that up? Did you see that? That was smooth. You've got to admit, that was... Teamwork that makes was, the dream That up. was like next if level. We, the, the, the next level of being really slick is not pointing it out and just letting it happen. <laughs> just to, just to, we'll try again next week. Uh, but yeah, so uh, if Blade Runner is not enough cyberpunk for you, Green Running Games have announced Cyberpunk Slice uh, Sourcebook, which is for the modern age uh, setting. Um, so yeah, so that it's a cyberpunk kind of source book for that setting mm. there. So if you want that in your modern age games. Um, yeah, so there's loads of different virtual combat focus, and there's mm-hmm. a new street soldier called the Kinetic, and there's cyborg augmentations. Mm-hmm. It's everything you everything you'd expect, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, there's not a release date, but um, it, they've said very soon, which I assume is May, but mm-hmm. like, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure we'll update it on EM World when we have a release yeah. date. It's like a fifty-page PDF, I think. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an adapted material for the modern age. Um, yeah, game yeah. there. So, so basically, if you want if you want to play um, Blade Runner, but you want to play it using Green Running's adventure Runnage. game in- yeah. engine, you yeah. would get yeah. this instead, I guess, rather than or both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it's probably going to be out sooner because this is the release date is very soon. Whereas Blade Runner, the Kickstarter is going to happen, and then mm. you know, then it's yeah, all the the usual fulfillment yeah. stuff. Will yeah, 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 but yeah. I, I, I do like the name of that uh, street soldier, the, the Kinetic. Mm. That, that That's a very evocative name for me, yeah. and it's the sort of character I like to play, where it's just like, things are going to go flying. Mm. Embrace the chaos. <laughs> yeah, but I can segue on from Cyberpunk go on, into Please. other Kickstarter news, if we're going to yes. talk about, can we keep it? How was that a segue? Because <laughs> it's Kickstarter. <laughs> Blade Runner's on Kickstarter, so <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it wasn't as slick as the other yeah, one. But, yeah, the Green Monins thing wasn't a Kickstarter. Yeah, I know. That's why I said going back to Blake. Uh, it works. All Deal right. with it. All right. Can I talk about my cute pets, please? Go on then. Okay. Yay! Uh, so yeah, so on Tuesday at uh, EM Publishing, we launched our quick starter campaign, Can We Keep It? Pets for yes. Your 5e Game. And it went super well. Like, people mm. wanted pets in their game, which is great. Mm. Apart um, from one so person th- who did not want pets in their game, and made so sure much, to post yeah. on the comments and let us know. But in order to post in the comments, they had to first of all back the campaign, and then they came on to leave a comment to tell us they didn't like it, and they backed, they backed the campaign purely to tell us that they didn't like it. Yeah. Well, they, right. It seemed like it wasn't, a lot. It wasn't even that they didn't like it. It's that they didn't even like the concept of people being so imagination bereft that they would need rules for pets in their game. I'm surprised that like they told us that we had no imagination because we have a pet in there called the Bubble Puppy and a Dust Bunny. <laughs> so like, if you're going to tell me that's not creative, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you want. I, I, I saw the preview for the Mud Cat mm. and how it could deny you kitty snuggles if you did not treat it properly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a real cat. It will, <laughs> it, will, it will come for pets and snuggles when it so pleases. Mm. Well, 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 it was stuff like, if you put it in life-threatening danger on several occasions over the past eight hours, it won't come and give you a snuggle. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. It's really reasonable. <laughs> it's reasonable. I would be, I would be the that- same. Yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> but the cat uh, I really like the mud cat as well because um, the, the snuggle ability is um, it'll come and snuggle you for I think it's like 10 minutes or something but an amount of time and the player character will get covered in mud but you get like a little boost um, so you get some temporary hit points from it mm. yeah like D6 D6 temporary hit points that was the one yeah so, um, covered in yeah. mud as opposed to cat hair mm. so yeah because yeah. it's it made is, of it mud is, it is a fun little book and the Kickstarter's doing really well yeah. I'm really, yeah. really happy yeah. with the way that's going because that's basically so the relaunch of our whole mini Quickstarter line. Yeah. It's back. Mm. It's back. Woo. Yep. And I'm excited because oh, yeah. it's something I'm kind of managing and doing myself. Mm. This time with under Ooh. a little little bit of supervision from Russ to make sure I don't completely do it wrong. Um, but yeah, so it's really nice that the kind of the first one I've I've, I've done has gone well. So thank you to everyone yeah, back to it. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh Pathfinder. Should we talk about Pathfinder? Yes. New yes, Pathfinder book called Pathfinder Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. I suspect it actually means Book of the Undead. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. Yes. Um, so this is... The Necronomicon for Pathfinder. <laughs> yeah. It's a hardcover book. It's coming out on the 10th yeah. of May, which is... Mm-hmm. Next week? Two weeks. It's um, one two weeks from today. Mm. Um, for... Uh, no, two weeks from Tuesday. Yeah, Sorry, my Forty-four ninety-nine. Uh, yep. It is uh, The Dead Are Rising This blasphemous tome Gives players and GMs Everything they need To bring the shambling Menace of the undead To their Pathfinder adventures And this includes nice. uh, Player options So you can become Undead creatures If you wish In your Pathfinder game mm. nice. Along with tools nice. for GMs uh, Bestiary 224 pages All sorts of stuff And also there's an adventure yeah. In there Themed around fighting the undead Mm-hmm so, so, so you can become undead, undead as a player character in Pathfinder. Well, I'm glad they're catching up with Level Up. That's, that's pretty solid. <laughs> to, to be fair, I, I think Pathfinder did that in first edition like a decade ago as well. So that's, yeah. that, I don't, also, I don't think we can, we can claim to have gotten there first. Pi- uh, Pathfinder's been busy this week, though, because it's not just that they brought out. They've yeah. had, like, nine titles that they released. That's, the that's Pathfinder every yeah. month, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they've got... Uh, these people have a lot of go, and I respect it. Yeah, Woo. so they've got um, a new kind of adventure path uh, for the outlaws mm-hmm. of Alkenstar, mm. punks in Powder Keg. That sounds very nice. cool. 
Yeah. So they got a guns deck as well, so a deck of cards full of guns and stuff for you, mm. a gears deck. Mm. They got a scenario, society scenario, Guardians Covenant, mm. a tomb between worlds, you another Starfinder, one I take hope it, for future. Uh, oh, that's Starfinder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Pathfinder Society scenario is the Tomb Between Worlds. All oh, right, okay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, there's loads of stuff. Uh, so we, yeah, we didn't even fit it all in the news article. Uh, but the main yeah, yeah, one yeah. is the uh, the Book of the Dead. They also mm. released some the terrain. Mm. Some 3D. Yeah. Some 3D oh, terrain. Tell you that, yeah. oh, you tell me. Go for it, Peter. <laughs> Oh, um, I, I I saw that the uh, company that uh, based in Poland that brought out a previous set of very good looking terrain were also going to bring out more. I think sci-fi themed terrain mm-hmm. for Starfinder and Pathfinder, which, as I know your love of terrain maps and so forth, mm-hmm. I thought I would I thought I would shout out to you. Mm-hmm. But you probably looked into it in a lot more detail than I have because I just thought I thought oh I should tell us about that and then probably forgot mm-hmm. as is my way. Uh, well, this one is like uh, this is. Plastic 3D terrain. Um, so Pathfinders partnered up with Archon Studios. And mm. There's the Abomination Vaults Adventure Path. Which, is that the one that's coming out for 5e as well? Yes. Is that that one? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly the one. Yeah. Um, it's plastic terrain, unpainted and unassembled. Um, <laughs> it's compatible with Archon Studios' other terrain, which they make for dungeons mm. and lasers. And they've got these interlocking yes. bases and the doors that's open it. and close. And uh, there's pillars and rubble and torches. So that's going to cost you $70, basically, from May the 12th. You can buy that. Abomination Vaults. And the walls are, like, only half height, so they're not too much in the way. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, oh, oh. Again, that's I wish I played in person, it. but I haven't played in person for two years now. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah that does look very nice. So move, moving on from accessories, let's move on to... Yes. With a cunning segue into accessories for Spelljammer, courtesy of Beadle and Grimm. If you have got a few hundred dollars burning a hole in your pocket, or as I've just noticed in this article, I misspelled the word burning, durning, and nobody's mentioned it, and I posted that on Wednesday, and it's now Friday. (laughs) So that's just sat there. But anyway, um, Beadle and Grimm, so they, you know, they always do like these platinum editions of um, the Indian Adventures mm. and stuff. Yes. And they cost like four or five hundred dollars. Really expensive. Yeah, yeah. And you get the adventure and you get DM screen, and you get character cards and you get handouts and you get tokens and coins and accessories and maps and minis and you, get, you just get this box just full of stuff for like five hundred dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That goes along with, um, yeah. with the adventure. So, yeah. $500. If you've got $500 spare dollars, you can pick that up. You can pre-order. What setting did you say that was That for? was Spelljammer. Spelljammer. It's, it's tying mm. in with, okay. the, with the Spelljammer release. Which is what the the Journal of Sizistrix or whatever it's called, the adventure that comes with that, is that right? Or is it more generally the whole slipcase? Uh, I think it's the whole Spelljammer Adventures in Space whole thing. Right. So it, so it, okay. it would include the adventure, but also I think yeah. it's the whole, the whole lot. And and that is different from the WizKids ones of the minis they're doing. Yeah, yeah. For Spelljammer. Yeah. Oh, right. good luck. At the other end of the scale, because I was looking at this and I was like, that looks lonely yes. like it's $20. So for $20, you can get pre-painted uh, minis and they come in random Ooh. boosters uh, with figures. Yeah, and you can get a whole load of those. And that's based on the Spelljammer mm. Adventures in Space setting as well. And because they're pre-painted, people like myself and Russ might actually buy them. Possibly, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 I've always found like for that sort of thing, because... Uh, 
Paizo do a lot of Starfinder figures, and also, even better, mm. if you go on eBay, you can pick up really, really cheaply mm. Star Wars minis from when Wizards of the Coast mm. did D20 Star Wars. They produced hundreds and hundreds of pre-planted plastic minis, just like the D&D ones they made oh, now. Really? And you can, oh, okay. you can just pick them up in lots. Oh, I've got loads of them, for, and I use nice. them for any sci-fi game I play. I just use all these Star Wars minis. Mm. Because yeah, a lot of them are quite generic looking, you know. This is a, mm. yeah. a soldiery type guy. This is an alien of some description, mm. you know. Yeah. So that's always a good Ooh, resource. Nice. You really like sci-fi, don't you? I, I, I do, yeah. yeah. I, I think I like sci-fi yeah. more than fantasy. I do change my mind from time to time. That's why I can't say. Because I love the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I vary between sci-fi and fantasy, but I think probably sci-fi mm. a little more. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't yeah, know. Interesting. I don't know. Mm, okay. Right, I think it might be coming to the end of the news, and it's either of you can think of some I've missed. Um, <laughs> minis. Oh, minis news. Uh, WizKids have also, as well as doing these Spelljammer Adventures in Space, they're doing a set of unpainted miniatures for the Critical Role series. Oh. So there's 10 oh. new minis for that, and they're like either $5 or $15. Mm. So there's some more nice. mini For the TV show, the Amazon animated show. Are they yeah, the guys? series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Cool. But unpainted, Fox so I'll never buy them. Yeah, exactly. That's why, I, that's why I said unpainted. Yeah. So yeah. Peter can buy those and paint them. Yeah. If you, if you play, uh, <laughs> if you buy them and give them to me, I will I'll paint them for you. <laughs> you haven't painted your own figures yet. Yeah, like come on, do your own first. Oh, oh, oh please, please. <laughs> I, th- I think we all know the fact that the builders do not have finished houses. <laughs> they, they sort out other people's yeah. first. That that's how this works. So. You're making your way through the woodlands just outside Holdenshire. Um, can you make a perception roll for me, please? Oh, yep, yep, yep. I got a 19. 15 for me. Okay, great. So you both smell the heavy stench of carrion and hear the snapping of branches, followed by a low, grumbling growl. Oh, that doesn't sound good. So through the trees, you see a ferocious owl bear feeding on a carcass. <gasps> An owl bear? Has its eating? We could try sneaking away while it's distracted, or we could try out those new weapons we just picked up in town. Uh, yep, I, I can give you advantage in your stealth check as it is distracted by a meal currently. Or, and you know, hear me out on this, we could do neither of those things. Mm, okay, what do you have in mind? Well, we could carefully approach it and see if we could make friends with it. What? Um, you, you do know what an owlbear is, right? Yeah, it's like a giant teddy bear with a cute owl face. Um, an owl bear isn't cute. It's a large, aggressive monstrosity that slays any living creature it sees. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. If we want to sneak away, we should do that before it notices us. Once an owl bear catches your scent, they'll follow you. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you know, I thought it would be cool to have an owl bear pet that like follows our party round on adventures. A pet? That is a wild monster. It's, it's not pet. Well, not yet. And I would have to work to tame it. I don't think that's likely to work. Hey, you let me have a grizzly bear last campaign. Yeah, but you were a druid and that was your animal companion. That's that's completely different. Hey, grizzly bear, owl bear, same difference. In, in fairness, you are a rogue this campaign, not a druid. I still think I deserve a pet, though. Okay, you, you know what? Fine. You can go up to the owl bear if you like, but just know that it will try to attack you and kill you, and you may need to roll a new character if you die. Yeah, and I won't be running into rescue when it all goes horribly wrong. Okay, great. So, so I cautiously 
walk up to the owlbear and try to appear as friendly as possible. Okay, fine. So the owlbear looks up at you with blood from the carcass dripping out its jaws and it growls. Here we go. All right, shall I make an animal handling roll to calm him down? I am proficient. Okay, sure, but it's going to be a really high DC for the skill check. Okay, okay, here we go. A natural 20. Wow, nice. Oh, um, okay, so uh, he, he doesn't attack you then. No, I guess we're getting a pet owlbear then. I'm going to name him Owly. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers yes. get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. We've got our topic of the week. Which was evil in RPGs. Evil. Or more specifically, should we have evil races slash heritages slash ancestries? Cultures. To which the answer is... I think is no, in brief. Good chat. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I concur. Like, something is evil... By existing, I mean, I suppose probably the closest thing I could think of that would make any sense, any sense at all, right, for what we call an evil race would be one like uh, the alien from Aliens, which relies upon finding other living creatures, preferably sentient, and then using them as incubators to um propagate itself so but even then are they, like they're, that. Not, they're not any more evil than a spider is or a yeah. you know or, a, or any 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 creature that you find in nature mm. like i i wouldn't say that spiders are evil but i would say some would if spiders were the size of shire horses and could potentially wrap me up in web and devour me like there was some sort of giant shilob and I was a tasty little fruit pop or something like that, I would probably describe that as evil myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I'd describe it as a bitch being awful. So, my, yeah. my, my kind of feeling on evil is I, I kind of feel it's best used for supernatural evil. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a devil or a demon, like, yes. they're kind of, in concept, they are the personification of evil. That's kind yes. of what the word mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that 
I can definitely sort of say, yes, devils and demons are evil. Even say you could, I still think, like, you could have a good devil or demon. But, um, yeah. yeah, generally speaking, you could say devils and demons are evil. And I think you could probably Ooh, say yeah. the same about, well, maybe undead. I don't know. No, no I, I had I, a I'm not... lovely undead hmm. friend in my last campaign. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, okay, fair enough. I mean... As, as I understood, I mean, my, my understanding, which is probably wildly different from the generic law for D&D, is uh, devils are supposed to be very focused on the strict letter of the law. Mm. And um, demons are completely chaotic. And Yeah, the law chaos thing is a very, a very D&D thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think devils and demons are more kind of synonyms in outside of D&D, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. No, I think it's sort of like it's a, it's a way to... Um, differentiate between the two would be to like really dig into what makes devils so awful, which is their complete ad- insistence on stickling to the very letter of the law and trying to get as much advantage for themselves as possible, which would, I suppose, make them very much like a uh, corporate lawyer. Yeah. Not to say that corporate lawyers well, are devils well, or they, evil. They're different to lawful neutral, though. Lawful neutral. Yeah would be a creature that very specifically is about the letter of the law and nothing else. Whereas a devil is the letter of the law and... And personal advantage. Yeah, yeah. And and just basically using the letter of the law to screw you over, Mm. essentially. So I don't don't think any thing or anyone is inherently evil. I think their actions are described that way and then we call them that because of their behaviours. But yeah. evil is so interpretive based on motivation because, like you say, the, a- the creature from Aliens, for example, they're just trying to eat and reproduce. So hmm. that that's, you know, like in the same way that pe- not everyone in the world is vegan and people yeah. eat meat, hmm. you know? Like that's some, pe- some people would look at that and say that is evil, um, but then people that eat meat don't feel that but way. That's a, fi- so. that's a philosophical argument, though, isn't it? Does yeah. evil exist? Hmm. Do good and evil exist? Or are they constructs that we've created? Well, I think yes to both of those. Yes, it exists as a mm. construct because evil is something mm. we use to describe behaviour that we dislike and is taboo yes. in our culture yeah, and society, yeah. which is why I don't think you can have a cultural group of people that are evil in a whole book frame because it depends where the characters are mm. from because, like, you know, some in some places certain behaviours would be considered evil and wrong and others it wouldn't be. We have that in, like, real life in humanity and so that mm. would be the same in fantasy worlds, especially if you're doing sci-fi because mm. you have different yeah. planets and so what's mm. normal and good and allowed would be so vastly different. I think you could probably yeah. agree that some acts, no matter your perspective, are evil. Mm. Mm. Well, I would believe that because of who I am and because of my culture and all those things that have built that up. Mm. No. But I can't say that would someone else agree. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to yeah, go I into mean, too much real world history and start talking about yeah. real world yeah. people. Well, well, yeah, uh, yeah we, we, we won't talk about that. But so, say, supernatural, evil, yeah. uh, vampires, um, would it be possible to have an empire of vampires? I think uh, TV is littered with good vampires. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But these are the, often. The glitter if in I'm the sunlight. Correct. Mm. <laughs> but these are often portrayed as being exceptions. Yeah, moment, true. Where true, most true. vampires will see you as food and eat you. But that's also why I'd say you couldn't have a race or a heritage that is inherently evil, because you will have individuals within that group 
that are not. Who aren't, yeah. You could just have it be that, you know, these are behaviours that happen commonly in this group, but... Yeah. I think if you think of any kind of fictional culture, there's usually (laughs) an example of someone who isn't evil within that. Think about um, the drow, before they changed drow more recently, but drow originally, as portrayed, were an evil race, but Drizzt was an exception and he was good, is how the original thing was done. Mm -hmm. Which which is like, you know, the very basic beginner storytelling Mm. thing. And, you know, like probably for these people at the time, quite exciting and that's fine. But I guess what would be more interesting is sort of digging into the fact that everybody makes the best decision. Everyone makes the decision that they think is best at the time. Mm. Yeah. So for example i like to fiddle around with ideas like high elves for example being really into like a sort of a laplacian view of the world like they believe that everything that can be calculated mm-hmm. and that like you know almost like a vulcans mm-hmm. uh, to an extent in that everything should be very logical that everything can be calculated that the manip- but the manipulation of magic can lead to a certain set of things. And they're very focused on processing everything through a mirror of just pure thought and intellect. Mm. And so in contrast to this, the Dark Elves, which are the traditional thing, I go with they uh, are very much follow after the Romantic tradition, the Byronic tradition. It's mm. like beauty and art is everything mm. to them. And again, it's like taking like you know, what seems like a reasonable idea and bring it to almost inhuman extremes allows you to have like something that's a little bit alien, mm. but also is capable of not necessarily just being a generic bad guy, but they are pursuing their aims because this is what they value culturally, although the effects on other people we would describe as evil, like you yeah. know, um they they, they, like if you have a set of dark elves who think that ruin is beauty like they destroy things but and in doing so turn into something really really fantastically beautiful yeah not not an idea original to me adrian tchaikovsky in one of his recent books did that i thought it was an absolutely amazing idea it's the creation of beauty through destruction and that is you know sort of quite interesting Mm. but also if it happens to be you who is being ruined and destroyed you would definitely describe that as evil yeah does that make sense yeah that's kind of what i was saying about perspective Mm. and because no one and i think this this leads us on to talking about like villains in uh things and what makes a good villain because i think when you have a villain that's like i do evil things because i'm evil it's like eh, okay because generally people do evil things because they're motivated because mm. one either they're like they believe it's the right thing to do like you were describing there peter yeah. they, do they, they even think yeah. they're evil yeah. yeah so they don't think they're, yeah. or they know the thing they're doing is bad but the ends is justifying the means mm. for some mm. reason mm. you know yeah. so they're like i need to I will kill these hundreds of thousands of people because I know it will get my my I'm love tr- back or something. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Darth Vader. I'm trying to think of some iconic villains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how how do you sort of place him in that context? What's his justification for why he does the things that he does? Well, got to be honest, the Republic, kind of a mess. Couldn't get yeah. anything done. Mm. Like having a lot of problems. Yeah. And so, so he thinks he's bringing law. He thinks he's bringing law and order to the ga- uh, uh, much needed law yeah. and order to the galaxy. Doesn't that's? He? I think that's. Yeah. He says that at some point as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the yeah, ends justifies like the means. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's like it's, and like that. That's what makes sense. So um, you've got to 
cake all the stuff. Like, whereas, um, uh, like, say, the Die Hard movies, Hans Gruber, he he's there because he wants to make some money and he's mm. actually really cynical. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we know he's a villain because it's like, why personal enrichment matters to me more than anything else mm. and takes what could have been a, yeah, a really smart, contributory mind and just focuses also, on one personal Also, one of the best enrichment. movie villains ever. I've got to say. Alan Rickman's first role, age 42, killing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like I say, it's like, it's like the more, as you watch it, the, like the cl- more clever the villain's backstory becomes. You're like, oh, man. Mm. Damn. Mm. <laughs> now I have a machine gun. Ho, mm. ho, ho. But yeah, I mean, but the original plot twist, of course, is that um, there is a group that believes in the rightness and justness of their cause and they will go to any lengths mm. to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you get the old sort of, um, I'll say, cliche or trope of one of them realising realizing how far over the line mm. they've gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm. yeah. And I think, yeah, that kind of works. I mean, that happens in Star Wars, doesn't it, with Finn, who's yeah. a stormtrooper. Yeah. And then he ends I, up I mean, I don't know how convinced Finn was always was. He was essentially inducted in as a... indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From a very, very, well, like, I mean, he was like essentially abducted almost, as I recall, mm. and like was turned into a janissary, like um, a, a child soldier yeah. that was trained that way. Whereas I think it could have been a more interesting character if he'd signed up mm. because he believed in what the Empire was doing. Yeah. He believed, yeah, the Empire is a force for good. All the posters tell me it's a force for good. propaganda machine is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, I think that would be a very plausible. Uh, it'd be a really interesting thing. So you've got like a, a culture that strictly believes in hierarchy, that believes like, yeah, well, actually, say humans are the best and all the elves, orcs, and dwarves can get in line. Or I like to occasionally throw it around and say, actually, the elves, the elves think they're best because elves are just better. So linking, That's yeah, the so linking that back to the idea of mm-hmm. fictional fantasy races. Mm. Yes. So one, one of the things that that brings up is the concept of monoculturing a race. Yeah. yeah. So you say, you know, all high elves are like this. All um, dwarves are like this. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to get my thoughts in order to what, what, yeah. what I'm actually trying to say. But, so I'm sort of saying it doesn't, you can have uh, worlds with only one culture of dwarves. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's not mon- monoculturing. Yeah. What monoculturing yeah. is a rule book that says you can only have one culture of dwarves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. That's- well, well that, that, that's, where, that's where you run into the problems in 5th edition, where your race is your culture. Mm. Yeah. So disconnecting those two and allowing these to be separate slides or separate variables is fantastic because it means, actually, yeah, so you can have a dwarf and they've risen to a high rank in the Elvish Empire. For whatever reason, it doesn't really matter. You can do what you like. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like, I created a setting where elves were just better. They decided they were in charge. They'd enlisted the orcs, and it's human slaves and high elf nation. But there's, like, there's a possibility for elves that are not part of the empire. Yeah. There's, there's a possibility, like... I, I had a halfling vampire who became a bureaucrat, rose to high rank, then because the people at the top are literal vampires, got turned into a vampire and exiled to a foreign city where he's just like mm. indulging in vampiric obsessions about stuff. And that made complete sense. I, I could do that because 
I do not require all halflings to be happy-go-lucky shire folk. Mm. That's not a requirement I'm saying. I don't yeah. have to write out, and there are halflings too in every single culture. Because, yeah, sure, there are halflings too. Why not? Mm. That's implicit rather than me having to explicitly state that. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So who do you think are really, really good evil villains? Not not just in mm. D&D, but just like generally in, in fiction. Um... Well, one that particularly impressed me. Oh, I'm sorry, Jess, you were saying. No, I was saying one that just instantly came to mind. This probably isn't one of the greats, but it's just came to mm-hmm. mind. It was like one of the first Spider-Man movies for the Homecoming, mm. and it was the guy who he the w- vulture. Yes, him. Yeah, because that was a mm-hmm. believable story mm. that he was doing the cleanup for this. He had his job taken away, so he started doing it. I now know what Homecoming is as well. I finally know. It's I, like I, an event, isn't it? Like yes, a prom I, thing. Yeah, absolutely not. Who's, who's coming home? From where? I don't understand. But now I know what I'm coming to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that, so, so that villain, because he, you know, he kind of had all these contracts and he had all these people that he was trying to employ and look after. So he ended up going into the black market. And then when you work, under, you know, then it evolved into what it is. Mm. And I kind of, mm. in the beginning of it, I believed that. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. So yeah, so that that was yeah, a good. But he's not really, they had yeah, he's not good really evil at first, is he? It's just that he goes too far. Yeah, and even that. as a person at their core, they weren't evil. Mm. Like mm. they just they were doing really bad stuff and were getting so deep in that they were keeping doing well, these things. Also, yeah. another this is, this is like the recent Batman film where mm. they kind of go to pains to point out that um, he. And the villain really are pretty much the same, except for just like a thin sliver of difference between them. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Yet you you think of one as a hero and one as a villain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of... I mean, I quite like Serenity, uh, going yeah. back a bit, obviously, because the villain in that is absolutely doing his best to bring civilization and order to the universe and is trying to prevent these agents of chaos from knocking over what has been what has been built. Mm. So it takes like some fairly far reaching MacGuffin yeah. pull to tie in um like the one of the major bizarre terrifying threats, mm. the like the super angry Reavers and the construction of the civilization upon which they're based. So that's another uh, it's yeah. just not so much evil. So you look at something like the Reavers in that, or like yeah. things like the Reavers in other hmm. fiction. They're kind of yeah. like, I mean, uh, would, you, would you call they're not? That's so like you, a, you don't, a, I think you're arguing that they're not actually evil because they're acting and they don't have any control over their things. Evil has to be a conscious choice. Is that um, kind of? I think they more lean into the sort of barbaric trope, which you know, where yeah. people used yeah. to sort of say outsiders. Mm. are barbarians because mm. does that make sense so they they, they kind of lead into mm. a yeah. different sort of like the sort of awkward mentality of evil that was present yeah. in a lot of earlier D, which is kind of being yeah. kind of mm. phased out now but they kind yeah. of lead into that more don't they yeah because they're not like sentient making decisions they just they're exposed to that chemical thing and now they've gone well we it's know like, that from like watching mental... the movie mm. oh yeah but, in, uh, but, yeah. but previously, you didn't know that. We just yeah. knew that they were super bad news, and we had no idea why they would be so extreme in their brutality and murderous nature. Well, they're, they're Lex bri- Luthor. Yeah. Lex Luthor <laughs> really believes he's a good guy. Did you mean Elon Musk? 
<laughs> oh, it's just from the top rope. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> nope. Um, but he, he's, he, he actually thinks Superman is a threat to humanity. He yeah. thinks he's a good guy and he's saving mm-hmm. humanity. He's not. He's wrong. But he doesn't definitely does not see himself as the villain of the piece, does he? No, not at all. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the Superman movies, but if like you know, I got hit on the head and had all knowledge of Superman erased from it mm. in such an accident, and someone and retained all my other facilities, and someone said, "Okay, well, this story is about a." human mm. who finds out that an alien has landed on the planet mm. with essentially near magical superpowers Just, they're capable yeah. of doing some crazy and extreme yeah, yeah basically minor deity level acts mm. and this 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 guy this regular human is dedicated to like try to put a lid on this mm. i probably would not guess correctly who the good mm. and bad people in that movie were. Right, here's a more difficult right. one then. Yeah. Joker. Yeah, mm. he's interesting as a as a villain. So it depends which version you're talking about yeah, as true. well. True. Yeah. If we're talking about the latest one, which was what's the Jacqueline Phoenix was in it. Joaquin Phoenix, the the oh the Joker movie. Yeah. That was an interesting one, yeah. Mm. Are you talking about the latest Batman movie? Because those are different. Oh yeah, I haven't seen the latest Batman, so and I can jo- comment no. on the Joker the, in that. The Joker's not in it, so. Oh well oh, that's okay. that's perfect then because I haven't seen it, so I can't as well. Okay, but, yeah, cool. but we'll talk about Joaquin Phoenix yeah. Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that comes into almost the area of kind of like mental illness of, of villains. Do you know what mm. I mean? Mm. Like uh, you know, which I think could be problematic if it, mm. if done badly, mm. because I think there's a long history of people saying, "Oh, mentally ill people are dangerous." Like, and mm. you know, and we all know where that's problematic and not necessarily true. Um, but yeah, I think that was interesting with 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 him because he's just being so abused and such a victim of society mm. that that just drives him. In that film, yeah, I don't think that's always society. the case with him. No, though, not with the it? Joker. No, no, that's no, why I said no. it depends which version you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Jack Nicholson's Joker was... Was he but dipped was, in, like, like chemical waste well, it was, or something? It was, it was a gangster beforehand. He was already, yeah, yeah. you know, evil. Not beforehand. a good he was person. Pretty, yeah. He was already a pretty bad dude, yeah. and then yeah. he just got worse. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So... Uh, but, yeah, I suppose... Oh, actually, that's quite an interesting one. Um, does anyone remember Unbreakable with Samuel L. Jackson? Yes! Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm, that's yes. interesting, then. Partly because he's um, he, he his motivations, as I recall, it's been a while. It's been, it's, this was like going back about twenty years. It's like uh, partly because his motivations are because he's in immense amounts of pain all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as I recall. Yeah. Well, what, what, Unbreakable is linked to Split, and then what was the third one called? Which was another one you mean? I can't remember. Yeah. Glass, Glass, Glass. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. So, yeah, his overall motivations for pulling all these special people together and finding them was so he could create heroes to save the world. Mm. And so his motivation, I think, was he was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be the villain because in order to draw out heroes, you need a villain. So I'm going to be the unifying bad mm. thing. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so let's let's play. That's our, an interesting uh, villain motivation. Should we, should we play our, our famous mm. game that uh, we're uh, you know the game that we're really really well known for. Well, I name a character and you say whether they're evil or not. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I perceive them to be evil. Sure. <laughs> okay, so start with an easy one. Darth Vader. Mm, I'm going to go with evil. 
Because if you are okay with destroying an entire planet because somebody else says so and killing billions of people, I'm going to say to you're fair, a bad I dude. think that was Tarkin, not Vader. Yeah, just but stood, but he was like, stood yeah. by. Yeah, he, he, well, all that's even for triumph. Mm. Good men to do nothing. So he's definitely not a So good guy. in that case, everybody on the Death Star who didn't stop that happening had the power to stop it happening. There were a the lot of people in mm. that room who could have given it a go. Did they actually have the power? That's the thing, though. Yeah. Or, or would it be like, we should stop this? The guy who, the guy who pressed the button. Yeah. I mean, it's all like following... If it went to like, trial, <laughs> he would be called I, out. I was only following orders. Mm. It's been not. Established, has it's not it's famously not a valid defence, yes. Yeah. 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 So, like, sure. Um, like... The guy who was like a space janitor, probably less so. I mean, has joined the Empire, but as we've established, it's like, by actually joining the Empire can be seen as a good thing. Mm. Yeah. The Empire have told you. So, cleaners on the Death Star get a really, really good benefits package. Well, they probably need this. It's a pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. dangerous job. <laughs> it's like nearly 100% fatality rate to date. Well, yes, but I, don't, I suppose you didn't really know that beforehand, though, did you? I imagine you were assured that it's probably the safest job in the universe. But you probably just went where you were told to go. No, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that raises a lot of questions about civilian contracting and whether it applies to... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, we're at Lord Soth. Oh, um, a tragic villain, but a villain nonetheless. I don't, so, I'm going to need context on that. Who's Lord Soth again? Oh. Dragon Dance's version of Darth Vader. Oh, right. I didn't know who that was. He's a, he's, he's a Death Knight. And- uh, well, yeah, but... <sighs> As I recall, and Russ, you are much more familiar with the story, correct me if I'm wrong, he is a knight sworn to the highest orders of um, obedience, honour, chivalry, and generally, you know, doing the right thing, and goes, I think it's a jealous rage, and kills off his wife, mm-hmm. and burns the tower and, like, the infant son, and, because and he's... And then gets cursed and reborn as a death knight. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think what makes him evil isn't just the axe. I mean, obviously, these are terrible acts, but he never makes an attempt to atone for them. Yeah, yeah. He just whines about it constantly for the next 300 years. I know, it's like, I don't know, um, like Seth and Orphage or something. Yeah. Stop going around doing further atrocities. <laughs> so, probably that was a better one for me than it was for Jess. Mm. So, have you got one for Jess? Mm. Well, how about you, you, you guys pick a couple as well? Rather, rather oh, just me. Okay. Ursula the Sea Witch from The Little Mermaid. Haven't seen it. You haven't seen the little mermaid, but you know you know the context. R- 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I know it has a, a mermaid point. in it, and that mermaid is not large. I can't believe you haven't seen the Little Mermaid. I have not seen. The She's little the mermaid. entire inspiration for my hair. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it had such a big impact on me. This film. Yeah, yeah. It's my I, hair I, I mean, basically. Wait, are you te- are so you so telling me Jess, that from the waist down you are in fact a fish? No, but <laughs> neither is the Little Mermaid by the end of the film. So oh, okay. you need to that. watch that, Russ. Get yeah, get yeah. on Disney I, Plus I, or something. I, if I if I come around and you're not claiming your hair with a fork, I will be most disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Jess will be super confused. But anyway. oh. um, well, I'm going to say uh, I'm yeah. going to say evil then, despite not having seen it. Am I right or wrong? What do you think, Peter? A tricky one because I think there is an argument for. Not evil, yeah. In to the extent that she does give what she promises, yeah, and she is striking a bargain. And it's like, well, this is this is this is the deal. 
it's all pretty clearly spelled out. Yeah. I mean, she does a big musical number yeah. about, like... They sign a contract. It. Yeah. So uh, if, she, legs, if she does a big musical number, she's definitely evil, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think maybe the deal could have been done in better faith, but... I don't know the ins and outs of the magic economy. It's, Maybe that was the best deal as a In the original Brothers Grimm version of The Little Mermaid, the mm. story tells, she, she cuts out her tongue as an ingredient for the spell. So it's already, it's not just taking mm. a voice. And she says, by oh. the way, I'll give you legs, but every step you take, because it's unnatural, it will feel like oh, knives yeah. going into your feet. Mm. Because like you're not actually meant to be a human. So it's like an, so that you can do it, but it's cost yeah. that. Mm, so mm, in the Disney one, they're right. just like, you can't speak. <laughs> so that mm. seems a nicer deal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be fair, it is one that Ariel took, presumably, in the knowledge. But if I recall correctly, Ursula then did turn up to make sure that Ariel, or to attempt to make sure that Ariel would not be able to get what she wanted, which I think was um, what we might call a bit of a dick move. So I'm going to go down with pretty bad... I don't know if I yeah. said capital E evil, but yeah. Yeah, that was quite bad. Yeah, then she tried to no. fudge the deal by, mm. and she does enchant the prince so he like falls in love with her. Because well, that's, that's, yeah. that's quite evil. Yeah, yeah that my, is. My, my, my the, control, the whole love yeah. potion kind of concept is pretty grim, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, my control, classic evil. Mm. Yeah. All right, yeah, okay. I'll say she's evil on that on that note as well because of that last bit. Mm. So. Mm. Um, have both of you seen Battlestar Galactica? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm struggling to remember the name of the Admiral that is not Adana. Mm, she turns up on the Pegasus. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. What's and her I, name? Uh, I can't Helena remember Yes, yes, Admiral Kane. If we exclude Razor from the cave, <sighs> you have, to, have, to, you have to remind me what she does. I don't recall. Um, well, she turns up mm-hmm. um, with a modern Battlestar yeah, and that. a and a fleet of ships. Yep. Well, actually, no, she just turns up with a modern battle star and doesn't have any of her ships with her. What does she do that may or may not be evil? Well, that's where it gets a bit interesting because if we exclude Razor from the canon, which I'm strongly advocating for, after the Cylons have attacked humanity and nuked everything Mm -hmm. and nobody knows who is alive or not, she has a choice to make, which is do I try and keep this like little convoy of humanity alive? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the choice that Adama makes um, under the instructions of the civili- the highest-ranking civilian authority at the time, mm-hmm. or what she went with, which was picking and choosing from the people that are on board the civilian transports and integrating them into the Pegasus crew, and then taking all the supplies and leaving the rest to die because there wasn't enough for anyone. But and to be to be fair, like obviously in the show. Adama's gamble pays off. Mm-hmm. And like, this was the correct thing to do. But like, it's like, well, you know, if you've got a choice of some people die or everyone dies, mm. that is like your classic trolley problem. And we can say, yeah. mm. with the benefit of hindsight, absolutely that was the wrong thing to do. But like, I don't know. Really if I was in that situation. Made the decision believing it was the right thing to do. Well, well believing it was the best out of two bad choices. Mm. That, that, that is the ambiguity that was in the original part of the thing, but mm. in in Razor, they just say, nah, nah, she's just not, nah. Yeah, she just hates people. Hmm. Uh, like, that's why I hate that film, because it takes what is a very interesting and nuanced character yes. of someone who is under unimaginable pressure. Mm. You are, you, as far as you're aware, you are the last 
hope of humanity. Yeah. 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 And it's like, what do you do? Hmm. Like, do you, do you risk, do you, do you, do you try and keep more people alive, which is a huge risk, or do you just try and yeah. concentrate on what you know you can do, which is keep your ship and your people alive? So that, that is, for me, that is a very tough choice. Yeah. I would say not evil because of that nuance of it. Like it, cause it mm. was, like I say, it's a trolley problem situation. Mm. I think it's something like a D&D game. Mm. It's like the evil tends to be something like some kind of evil god trying to take over the world mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. And generally speaking, there isn't really a justification for, you know, they're not trying to improve the world or they're not trying to, you know, make a trolley problem style decision. They're just mm-hmm. trying to take over the world because they're an yeah. evil god. Why wouldn't they? And that's basically mm-hmm. it. And do you think that's sort of fine for... Uh, you know, it might be a bit simplistic for a, for a you know, I, a yeah, full movie, can, but for a D&D game, what do you think? I, th- yeah, I think uh, you can. We yeah. had a situation where we had this great old god that was trying to wake up and destroy the Earth. Classic mm. thing. But in order to get the power to stop that happening, we had to make a deal with a really other nasty god mm-hmm. that we know yeah. is planning to do similar nasty things to the world but they can't quite enact it right now right so we had a bit of an issue there where we had to you know Mm. teaming up with the lesser lesser we had to yeah we had to well we they said i'll do this and help you but you have to give me i'm going to take all the power from this god when you from them doing it so all we did was shift the problem really (laughs) but at that moment we're like what can we do because this evil villain a is about to like come out now we know it's all going to shift to even villain b and then maybe a few months we're going to do this again but like we get a few months at least you're buying some time yeah yeah so that was so you can make interesting choices with the big ending the world all right here's a spin on it Mm. evil Mm. player characters in a party Mm. or a party of evil player characters I think it has to be all the same. Sorry, Peter, what do you think? Uh, I think it is doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you generally require probably more work in your setup of the party in yeah. your session zero. Like just agreeing the rules of engagement, for instance, mm-hmm. like it, it's, it's like sort of the, it's sort of the kind of problem is this problem in microprism. Which is like, if you have a kender in your party and they steal things and it's like, it's, it's sort of, and you can use it as a role playing moment. Like during a short rest, they take out like the rogue's knife and start, uh, trying to peel a potato or something. The rogue says, Hey, that's my knife. And it's like, Oh, you little scamp mm. has in the novels. That is, that is fun and that's good role play. But if it's like, the rogue's like, I go for, I go to do a backstab or whatever, and the kind of like, oh yeah, sorry, I, I, I stole your knife. Mm. That is a different sort of thing, and it removes the rogue player's agency and quite a lot of the fun of their character. And that that's not okay, and that can, and that's that, and if you scale that up to, um, like more generally evil characters, they're my problem with them is they are usually played stupidly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, by, by which I mean, you are with a group of people who have demonstrated their ability to do the turbo macarena and turn people into Swiss cheese. And for some reason, they like you and they support you. These are literally the last people you want to annoy mm. or make mad. In fact, they're great. They're really useful to have around because they help enrich you. Mm. And they're willing to like die for you. Mm. Amazing. 
Why would you annoy these people? That that's not that's not evil. That's stupid. Well, in the real world, evil groups do exist and are able to work together and succeed at their goals. So, yes. a party hmm. of evil characters doesn't necessarily have to be completely um, dysfunctional. Yeah, you no. have to have it. I was in a campaign where we had all. E- it was based on the TV show Lost Girl. I don't know if you know that one. It's a supernatural show and it's got Mm -hmm. like all supernatural creatures kind Mm -hmm. of live in the real world. Mm -hmm. And like, so the main character is a succubus, but depending Mm. on what your class is a succubus, like what you are, doesn't impact whether you're good or evil. But there are two groups called the light and the dark of of supernatural people that live in the real world. Mm. And the dark have kind of more nefarious kind of schemes. And we were all decided to play, we're going to play under the the dark so we're part of an organization that's doing certain things and none of us were like great really nice people Mm. um but we had to have a shared goal of of what we're doing so we had to have a reason that we all worked together and didn't Mm. you know do bad things to each other Um, and part of the good thing about lost girl is they have loads of really like the fae they have loads of really strict laws and rules about how so you interact so that Mm. made it really simple for us it's like well obviously you wouldn't do this to another person because that's against you have to be lawful evil as opposed to chaotic evil Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. kind of how we how we did it that way. Um, but I think when you're doing that, you also have to have really good lines and veils in session zero because if you're playing yeah. an evil character, you want to make sure everyone's comfortable with what everyone's doing because some evil things are obviously mm. you, you don't want to roleplay. The old classic Mitchell and yeah. Webb sketch, are we the baddies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, this, this is a bit spoilers, but how, have you seen Travellers? No. Yes. 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 Are the protagonists, are they evil? Oh, I don't know. I haven't finished the whole thing and it was a while oh. ago because I stopped watching it because I did. Um, <laughs> because I did, good reason. Um, it's one of those two shows, you know you're watching and you just you kind of fade out of it and you never get back to it. Mm. Um, yeah, that's I, really... I, I watched it through twice, so no, I don't, but okay. <laughs> I haven't seen all of it, but I understand why you're asking that question. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky because it's they're trying to save the world, but like there's you know I, there is a certain ends just fine. Right, the means. How about this one? Yeah. Did you see Scarlet Witch TV show? Yeah, WandaVision. No, WandaVision. Was she evil? There we go. Yeah, she. she, she her, her, act, her actions in that. Yeah, are super evil, aren't uh, they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it was. Like, it was. It was the wow, moment dude, when um, cool. when one of the villagers came out of it, and they're like, "Oh, help! We're in pain." And it was like, oh gosh, like because I didn't know if they were just like in a trance or something. But it's like, no, yeah, they, were, they were in a trance. It's still yeah, evil. not great, but it makes it worse that they're conscious and in pain I, constantly. That, uh, that, yeah, that that just ratchets up the. I mean, that that's definitely the greater of two evils at that point. Yeah, yeah. like whoa, uncool. Stop was, immediately what you're doing. I wasn't. Yeah. I kind of wasn't okay with it to begin with, and that made it like really like oh no. But seriously, stop. Yeah. And then the guy <laughs> like, trying to yeah. stop her gets cut off the jail and she just walks off got free. What oh, are yeah. they going to do to her? What prison are you going to put her in? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got that weird power nullifying prison under the sea, haven't they? That was in one of the films. Yeah, that was super effective, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, um, lasts, it had about five minutes of screen time before like, oh, well, yeah, but then, we're out of here. But then Bye! this comes back to evil as behaviours. Her behaviours there were evil, but I do, mm. do I think inherently who she is as a person is evil and bad? No. But I think, yeah, I that think what she did there for is. for her to atone yeah. for what she did mm. and yeah. making reparations. Acknowledging that what she did was wrong would be a big Well, she step. has to make reparations to those people, not just start being good now. Yeah. She has to... Yes. Yeah, so it's got to be specific reparations, not just generally, oh, now I'm good. Yeah, but Well, yeah, like doing things like... 
And that's well, what, an like, interesting villain. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very interesting villain. Because uh, also, because I think we've all yeah. seen Wonder and we like her as a character, like mm. from the Avengers. We're mm. like, yay, cool. And then it's like, oh, I don't do that though. Why are you doing that? Oh, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I was like the whole time. I was like, oh, could you just not? Don't do that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we have thoroughly explored the nature of evil. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. All right, shall we, shall we, Is it time shall to we do goodbye? that? Yeah, shall we finish? Yeah. Okay then. Right, we didn't do our favourite game in all the worlds, though. Oh, we did. Oh, you. Oh, we didn't. But, yes. Like, we can just not do it. This? Well, I just. I didn't want afterwards it to be like you know. <laughs> well, you got. Have we you, run out of time? You got a holiday. Just, yeah, because it is twenty past Yay. four. Yeah, that's fine. Let's yeah. stop. Yeah, I still need to get the blog. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yay. Okay, so I stop recording on yeah. Audacity uh, well, I'm, then. I'm looking forward to our special episode on the 200th, where Jess gets to pick it and Russ gets to play. No, it will be good. We'll do that for the live stream, yeah. yeah.